I had applied for about a thousand jobs and I wasn't getting anywhere and that could be really demoralizing. Hello, hello, and welcome to Not Your Forever Job, the show that helps you figure out where you're going in your career. I'm Hayley Loren, an engineer, presenter, and career coach. And today on the show, I have a very special guest with me, and that is my friend and my peer in the engineering and presenting world, Yasmin Ali. It's so awesome to have you here. Um, Thank you so much for joining, Yasmin. Do you want to just do a really quick intro to yourself? and say hi hello (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I am Yasmin Ali I'm a chartered chemical engineer uh, and I've worked in the energy sector for the last 11 years now Um, and I currently work at the department for business energy and industrial strategy or BASE for short and I work as an innovation program manager so I manage funding for energy innovation projects which is really good fun. Oh, and I guess also that's the work side of things, but I also do a lot of engineering communication type stuff. So uh, talking at schools or to teachers or parents or the public about the amazing work that engineers do. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm so and excited. <laughs> and right, it's like an and, and an and, and an and. Great. Yeah. That's why I love, I, I do lose love- track. <laughs> don't we all um it, it's amazing chatting to you because you have so many streams to you we can cover quite a few things because I was thinking oh we can talk about the move that you did from your like engineering job into where you are now Bayes so before before we went live with this Yasmin was just telling me that it's pronounced Bayes I was calling it Bez <laughs> don't know why um but yeah that's enough yeah exactly it's like tomato tomato whatever you want um potato 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 another one does anyone say potato potato i don't know i feel like they might i say toothbrush not toothbrush which is a bit weird i've been told um Anyway, we go off track. Um, I was just thinking, yeah, that we can talk about the move and the transition that you did, because I know that for some people doing a move like that is quite daunting and scary, and it takes a lot of kind of motivation and and strength to do it. Um, Or maybe not, or maybe you're just super chill. I know you are a very relaxed person, so (laughs) it could be the opposite. Um, And then also talking about your, um, yeah, the presenting and maybe having a chat about kind of confidence that goes uh, along with it and the one thing that I find with presenting is that it's useful both in front of camera but also um, in meetings as well even if you just need to talk to a couple of people Um, but let's start off with uh, yeah your career move so where where were you why did you want to leave and how did you make it happen (laughs) big question Uh, yeah yeah okay so I was at E.ON and I, I joined E.ON, which is the, the big uh, utility company, uh, just after graduating. So I did a grad scheme with them and then um, did a job for about five years in oil and gas and then moved to their district heating unit. Um, so by that point, I'd been in the company for seven years and I was getting more and more concerned about sustainability and climate change stuff and I kind of wanted to um, do something where I had a bigger, I had like more of an overview of the energy industry. So I wanted to stay in energy, uh, but I didn't want to be doing like one little bit of it. Uh, And I thought, okay, maybe I could do consulting or I could work in government um, or I came up with a whole bunch of options, um, not just by myself. I talked to people. So I talked to uh, mentors and friends uh, and came up with, with these things and wrote them down uh, and eventually decided I'm just going to quit this job because I wasn't enjoying it that much. And I thought I'll leave and try and find something else. And um, so I did. <laughs> and it took quite a bit longer than I expected to get another job. Um, It took about nine months to start working again, Um, but I was pretty selective and I really wanted something that met the objectives that I'd written down. Um, But I applied for lots of things. Um, 
had lots of interviews, had loads and loads of these informal chats, um, and then eventually got a, a position at Bayes, uh, mm-hmm. where I am now. So mm-hmm. that's the short version of the story. Wow. Um, that's a lot in that. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, so you, you quit your job, you decided that you didn't want to do that anymore. So did you, out of interest, um, did you have like, uh, did you save up to be able to do that? Because obviously I think so many people would just love to quit their job. <laughs> so it's like, how do you make that happen? <laughs> yeah. So that's obviously a big consideration. Um, I, it's going to sound weird, but it was uh, lucky enough to be made redundant from the oil and gas job that I was doing. So there was a redundancy package that came with that. And that could have kept me going for, well, you know, yeah, that could have kept me going for a while. Mm-hmm. So I had that squirreled away, which was helpful. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a consideration. And I wouldn't recommend quitting your job unless you you can be financially stable and there are other ways of doing it so um yeah like you could spend evenings and weekends um looking for other jobs and doing it that way but I Mm. I just thought I'm gonna leave and focus my all of my time on finding another job yeah getting that like clean cut break and I think doing a massive career move in that set well it's not that big because you're still in engineering but it's a change of angle. And I think at the time, um, when I speak to a lot of engineers now, they feel like a jump like that is huge and really big, but actually you're using the same skills, but in a completely different way. Would you, would you agree? Um, yes and no. You can say, you can say no. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you are, but I, I think it's not even the fact that it was a big jump but I think even just moving organizations can be quite daunting even if Mm. you move in the same sector like doing the same job you just go to a different company and it still takes I don't know three or four months to get to know new people and get to settle in so it's not really I don't see it as that, that different from any job move there's some stuff that was um enlightening or helpful for me during that time that I would probably like to share oh cool (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) like well I kind of one particular thing I guess where I felt like I had applied for about a thousand jobs and I wasn't getting anywhere and that I think that feeling can be is quite common when you're doing something and just getting rejections or getting no response from anyone it can be really demoralizing. Um, so I dealt with that by uh, keeping meticulous data <laughs> on, on everything I was doing. So I had a spreadsheet which had um, the things I was looking for in, but I also had a record of like where I'd applied, who I'd spoken to, and then I made a little little scorecard which showed how many applications I'd done, how many interviews I'd had, um, all that kind of stuff. And it, I, I did that and then I was like, oh, actually, I've only applied for 12 jobs, so it's not 1,000 jobs. That made me feel a lot better. So I'd recommend people do things like that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Also, very kind of engineer, not engineering but quite an engineering mindset with that, the analyzing the data and, and tracking in that way is so useful. So how did you come up with your criteria that you were talking about or your, for, your, for the job searching and what you were going for? Um, I think I just thought about things that I'd enjoyed doing in the past mm. um, and then yeah, just that whole idea of wanting to have an overview of the energy industry and then thinking about the big, big stuff that I wanted to do. So like at a really high level, I want to contribute to the solutions for climate change. Yeah. And then just work down from that because I'm not going to be able to do that by myself. I don't think yes. well, I can contribute, but not solve climate change. <laughs> that would be great wouldn't it I think you'd be world famous if you could do Done. that <laughs> hey, magic <laughs> yeah. oh, okay cool so you you had the period how long was it did you say nine months that you weren't working um, 
Yeah, so I finished the Eon job at the end of December mm-hmm. uh, and then I started my next role and on the 1st of October. And how long did you anticipate it would take? Oh, I was like four, six months or something. So it wasn't okay. a lot longer. I think yeah. six months was like my panic date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm and then to, scary now. <laughs> did you did you feel that? Did you feel at one point that did you have fears of crikey, I'm not gonna get a job? Um, I think I probably did I can't remember now but I think there were days where I was like oh god Hmm. (laughs) what's going on what did you I think I was also a bit scared that I would end up doing um going back into doing like a similar job and not not doing something that fit fits fitted is that the past tense of fit I don't know yes yeah with what I wanted (laughs) I get that. This is, this is a common thread, actually, in, in worries. In if you're in a job that you don't like or you leave a job and then it's the, the worry about going to another one that is um, either just as bad or worse or similar <laughs> to what you're doing. And I think that is such a common thing, actually. Um, out of interest, can you remember, can you think back to your days at Eon? If you were going to kind of score it from one to ten, with one being terrible and 10 being amazing, what would you give it? Um, I did lots of different jobs there. Um, so I enjoyed most of them. I think the very last job I had uh, scores a bit lower. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. <laughs> you don't want it. You want, that, that's probably quite a t- too much of an honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, yeah, not not really for me. I think. I mean, some people there uh, loved it. It wasn't for me, uh, but I I try. You know, I gave it my best shot for. Um, I don't know. It was like a year and a bit, and then thought, okay, nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. <I'm> off. <laughs> yeah. So, how long did you have in in your job feeling a bit unhappy before you decided to leave? Was it a few months? Was it a couple of like a year? Um, it was probably. <laughs> I mean, from the get go, <laughs> it was probably a bit like, "Oh, this isn't quite what I expected or wanted." <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I think I had the feeling right at the beginning that um, I'm not sure this is the right job for me Um, but I gave it a chance um, Mm -hmm. and then probably I don't know six to eight months in was when I seriously started thinking okay what's next here Mm -hmm. and again I spoke to people so there's a lady who I know through some volunteering stuff that I've done um, and I had quite a helpful chat with her where she said okay think about the things that you don't like about this job um and think about what could be done to improve them and talk to your manager and say these things are making me unhappy can you do something about it and she's like and in your head set a deadline and if Mm -hmm. nothing's been done then it's probably time to go yeah Um, so that was good as well that is some Brilliant advice. Uh, I know. Uh, setting, she's awesome. Setting, who is this person? <laughs> I <want to> <laughs> <laughs> Set, setting deadlines is always, yeah, always a useful one because otherwise things can just drag on and that's where stagnation come in and comes in and or letting the fear override everything. Um, although you are very good at leaping into the unknown, into things, um, knowing you as a friend. Um <laughs> <laughs> Also, um, what was the other bit of advice that she gave you? Write down the things that you don't like. Yeah, and then talk to your manager or, you know, someone there who maybe has influence to be able to change things. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, say, I'm not happy because of these things. And then if you've got some solutions, suggest them mm-hmm. and um, see what happens. Mm. Like, not obviously don't go in there and say, change these things or I'm going to quit because that's that doesn't really work (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
Um, but like, but, if you're unhappy somewhere and you don't tell anyone about it, then no one, probably nobody will notice. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're like visibly unhappy all of the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, like give people a chance to improve things. Yeah. So yeah, I tried that. But it didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> this feeds in, this is like knocks a nail on the head and one of the core bits of advice that I always give or one of my sayings that I tell myself quite a lot actually is uh, you either change it, you accept it or you leave it. Either one of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can ever do because I think we find that we try and control everything or feel like we can do everything all of the time. But if you've tried to change something at your work and it's not happening then you either accept it and you stay or you leave like you did. Um, and it really boils down to those three simple things. Okay, cool. So you you left, you had the nine months. So in order to get um, Bayes, was this through, did you get to know people before through, because you were mentioning that you were networking and doing lots of like coffees and meeting people. How did you land that job? Um, definitely through networking. <laughs> Mm. um so it was I think I had the idea in my head that government could be good so I went on LinkedIn and looked at my um network of contacts and saw who worked for government um there is a a man called John Perkins who used to be a chief scientific advisor um at another government department and he's a chemical engineer I had Uh, organized an event for him to come and speak through volunteering that I do with the Institution of Chemical Engineers and then had bumped into him at various events. I didn't really know him that well but I thought I'll just message and see if he's got any advice and he was really helpful and put me in touch with people in the energy department and from there um, I managed to get a six-month kind of secondment so it wasn't a permanent job and also just to note um it was more junior than what I was looking for so I took a step down but it was something that I thought could get me where I wanted to be and it has Mm -hmm. Um, so I think and again like people said oh no you shouldn't take a step down because you'll never catch up again but I don't think that's true. So you took the initiative to um, find someone that you didn't even know that well. You you said that you only met him a couple of times at various events. A lot of people, I mean, are you ever scared about approaching people like that? Because I know that some people would be like, oh, I don't want to ask somebody for something when I don't really know them. Um, I mean, yes, and and know it depends what I am asking for like if I'm asking I wasn't saying hi can you get me a job in government (laughs) um I said hello do you I'm interested in this type of job and I know that you've worked there do you have any advice Mm. and he just I mean I I never expect anyone to reply when I send these messages Mm. and a lot of the time I don't get a reply but yeah, it worked out this time. Um, I did also did things like um, the when I was reading uh, engineering magazines, if I read about a company or a person whose job seemed interesting, then I would look them up and maybe send them a message. Mm. And again, like, I, I don't know what percentage of the time I get nothing back, but it's still worth trying, I think. Mm, completely. And actually, if you've just made me think about how I've done all of like my snaking and progressing in my career and the various changes, and it is all three people that you know, all of it. Um, mm-hmm. You still sometimes have to go through the normal processes, obviously, of applying for things and yeah. and everything. But if you can get that initial foot in the door um, and know and learn about the inside, it can also improve your applications as well so that you can kind of get a bit ahead or you're basically distinguishing yourself from the other applicants as well aren't you yeah yeah and I think I mean that's I I didn't plan for this to happen so Mm. it's it's just happened and without me volunteering for um the engineering institutions Mm. I wouldn't have made that connection and wouldn't be here so 
I think sometimes people don't see the value in being involved in your engineering institution outside of work, but it, it can be, you know, fruitful. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know, do you? You never know who you're going to meet mm-hmm. and how things are going to be connected. And it's yeah. amazing when you look back with hindsight and it's like, oh, wow, you can see the stepping stones happening mm-hmm. um, quite early on. How did you know that it was the right thing to do? You said that you were stepping down and people were saying, like, oh, you won't catch up and things. How did you know? Uh, like, where did the decision come from for you? Um, I never know that it's the right decision. I just do it and see what happens. Um, so yeah, there's, I would say, um, don't spend too much time trying to decide if it's going to be the right decision because you don't know till you've done it and look back. Um, but yeah, I think I liked the people that I met when I did my interview. Um, it seemed like it fit with those criteria that I had set for myself it was a six-month thing so there was I didn't have to kind of stay there after six months if I hated it then I and I I wasn't exactly doing anything else at the time (laughs) so (laughs) So you're like why not (laughs) yeah and the office is quite close to where I live so you know I wasn't going to be like traveling for an hour every day (laughs) so yeah. Did you did you carry on the job searching alongside it? Oh, I can't remember actually. I don't think so. I probably had enough of job searching by that point. <laughs> so I probably focused on the the six month job that I had. Yeah. And by that point, um, permanent roles had come up that were more senior. Um, so I applied and got to what I'm doing now. So yeah, it was a bit convoluted but I got there eventually so what what are you doing now um so now I am an innovation program manager so I manage energy innovation funding um specifically on solutions to decarbonize industry so um for example uh what am I working on that I can talk about (laughs) (laughs) absolutely nothing (laughs) um yeah so one of the programs that I manage is called the low carbon hydrogen supply competition and that is funding companies to uh, develop low carbon hydrogen production technologies like electrolysis and so on wow this sounds really interesting, actually. And you get to work on lots of different things. So it's got the high level aspect. So what, yeah. how is your day job? If you think of the day, what your day contained at Eon compared to now, what is the difference in actual work? Um, I mean, my last job at Eon, I was the manager of a control room. So it was a lot more hands-on and dealing with day-to-day issues that come up. So and I was, I had a, a team of operators uh, who were in that control room 24-7. They mm-hmm. were monitoring heating and hot water for over 25,000 customers. So it was very much like this piece of equipment has gone down. We need to send somebody out to deal with it and just dealing with that side of things. Um, whereas now it's a lot more strategic. So I am, um, for example, at the moment, I'm designing new innovation competitions. Um, so looking at what what technologies do we need um, in the next 30, 40 years and what innovation do we need to do now to get there? Um, so it's like, yeah, very, very different. <laughs> really different. That's incredible. Yeah. And I think like it, I work with, a lot of different people as well now. So in Eon, it was engineers. Mm. Um, Now I work with people who are policy professionals, with economists, with um, commercial specialists. Um, Yeah, so it's just a lot more disciplines Mm. um, and a lot more functions, disciplines, whatever. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So, okay. So it's a lot more varied as well in, in the people and everything. A lot more dynamic. Mm-hmm. This, sounds re- this sounds really cool. Can you tell me, you know, how I asked you the question before of one to 10 on the scale and you didn't give me an answer, but can you tell me how many points higher this one is? Because then we don't know and you can forget about the one to 10 bit. <laughs> um, five? Wow. That's, that's pretty, mm. that's big. That's a that big is, jump. Uh, yeah, it's, it is a big jump. That's definitely worth those nine months of trying to find it. Yeah, I would say so. And was there any time during your six months secondment that you felt unsure about where it, where you were heading? Um, I, did I? I don't think so. I think I found it quite different at the beginning. So it took some time to get used to it. Mm. Um, but that, that was, it was good that I had taken that step down because there was less pressure (laughs) and you know there was the stuff that I was doing was manageable um so it took it I could take that time to get used to the new environment um and yeah get used to it before being completely overwhelmed by everything Mm -hmm. so that was good it was like a good lead-in almost yeah 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 nice life balance too um Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, that's incredible. You kind of make it sound easy of doing this like complete shift. <laughs> it's not really like a complete shift. Um, it doesn't have to be hard, I think. Mm. Um, it can be easy. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about mindset um, around it as well. So what what would you say were the most useful tools that you used or the things that equipped you to do that transition you've said networking is probably like one of the most important ones what what else my spreadsheet (laughs) (laughs) we love yeah but I mean that yeah that um kind of tracking the information and what I was doing um was really just like very very important for me Mm. um so yeah, that that was a really useful tool. Um, I did use some services. So um, I'm a member of the Institution of Engineering and Technology, and they have a kind of charity arm of the IET. Mm-hmm. And they can, if you're an unemployed engineer, they will offer you career coaching services. So I did use that. I can't think of anything else. I think those were the main things. So let's move and shift to the other part of your life and your job outside of your day-to-day job which is presenting on stage and on tv you have most recently been on I can't remember the name of it now what is it called food factories right yeah how they work Mm -hmm. yes Um, well done (laughs) yes (laughs) um how like how was that how did you even get that um I think (laughs) I mean I don't know how far back to go now um it kind of started from the young woman engineer awards Mm -hmm. in 2013 when I won one of the awards um the women's engineering society one and I I think kind of like off the back of that I was asked to present um this program for BBC learning called design challenge um which was for Um, young people and it was all about design and STEM so that was good fun and I really enjoyed doing that and I wanted to do more Uh, so since then I've looked for opportunities to do that kind of thing and I did a I applied for a program with the BBC when they were looking for experts who were from a BAME background Mm. and I got a place so I did like a training day with the BBC And then they created a list of everyone who had uh, taken part in that training. And I think that list is accessible to production companies. And through that, I've been contacted a couple of times. Um, And now, because I've like, when I've done a show, um, I might get contacted again by that same production company if they're making something else. So yeah, it's just grown that way, which is cool. This is so cool. So you started small and then it just kind of grew and slowly growing. Yeah, yeah. It's been like years and years. It doesn't really happen mm-hmm. overnight. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the last, I think since 2019, I've done 
one TV thing a year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did something very recently, which uh, I guess I can't say what it is. But <laughs> so. do I know about this one? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, think this was, uh... are you allowed to tell me off? Because <laughs> yeah. I want to know about it. Cool. Okay, <laughs> yeah. good. Um, Can I, shall I tell you now or later? Uh, later. Cut it out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll save on the editing. We'll keep all this bit yeah. in. Okay. <laughs> Everyone just have to wait in anticipation uh, to see your face on screen sometime. Um, yeah. That that's really cool, and I yeah I know what that's like as well. With the it's a slow growth, and I had a dream once, and I thought that presenting could be done as a full time job, and I have learnt uh, over the past couple of years that it takes a very long time to build up any form of well the network, the skills, and everything in order to do full time presenting work. And actually, most experts on TV have day jobs. And then they do presenting work on the side, don't they? Um, I think so, yeah. Mm. yeah. Unless you're a children's present- presenter, which I think is a bit different. Um, yeah, but then you probably started doing that when you were like six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah I think like I remember seeing Fern Cotton on, mm. uh, I can't remember what channel it was, but she did kids TV when she must have been, I don't know, 13 yeah. at the time. Just so young yeah so yeah it does definitely takes a really long time to build that stuff up Mm -hmm. so what what are the if can you think back to the time when you were first doing it and the first talk that you ever did were you nervous for it um I think the the one first one that springs to mind was a talk that I did uh, when I was at university so I spent one of my years abroad in Malaysia And when I came back, I did a presentation to other students who might want to do that. Um, I I remember being quite relaxed for that. I think it was quite informal. Mm. um, So that was okay. Um, But I've done, I don't know, like hundreds of talks now. (laughs) So... (laughs) But I still get nervous sometimes. Um, I also remember doing one talk with someone else um when I first started working and he was really nervous and that made me really nervous <laughs> so yeah that it, one sticks it in does my mind filter through doesn't it when other people are a little bit like oh my goodness it kind of yeah you know, like, I, oh I don't want to catch your nerves <laughs> yeah. but I think if I was doing that now I could probably reverse that situation and make him not nervous yeah 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 and um, at the time I was quite new and it was like in in a lecture theater so it felt mm-hmm. quite serious mm-hmm. so how long before you started to feel confident on stage and comfortable um oh I don't know <laughs> it's kind of hard to pinpoint that moment um but yeah like I've been doing presenting regularly for 10 years at least 10 years um, and I still like sometimes don't feel I well I, I probably I think I am able to come across like I'm not nervous but sometimes on the inside I am well that's what makes a good presenter though the ability to make the audience feel relaxed and come off in a relaxed way but inside you're going fuck <laughs> <laughs> exactly have you had any kind of oh shit moments when you're on stage yeah (laughs) please share (laughs) um well this there was a thing I was invited to um it was the London Feminist Film Festival Mm. and they invited me along to be part of a panel um so it was it sounded really amazing we were going to watch this film and then um, have a panel discussion and they had uh Chionora on the panel who is an MP and Mm. uh Anne-Marie Emma Fadden, who's just amazing. So we're sat in the front row, um, the film's about to start, and Anne-Marie kind of casually uh, says to me, oh, so I can't remember exactly what she said, but she implied that I was chairing the panel and I wasn't on the panel. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Um, And I went to speak to the organiser. So I realised I was 
chairing the panel and I wasn't a member on it. So that requires quite a bit of pre-preparation, which I hadn't done. Um, I had to introduce everyone who was there and think of some questions to ask. Um, so I did not watch the, the film that we were watching. I went and sat outside the cinema on the steps and furiously made some notes. Um, but it all worked out fine. And I usually like to over-prepare. So it was quite helpful to know that I don't need to over-prepare and I can come up with that sort of thing quickly if needed. Uh, but yeah, that was that's one that uh, sticks with me. Oh, that's interesting. I thought you meant that you had over-prepared being on the panel, so you had already researched the other people, but you mean no. it the other way in terms of being able to just be in the moment and, and get something done. That yeah. is huge to, to do that and to pull that off. Yeah, that was good. Um, and then there's like other I don't know, just other times where, you know, I just forget what I'm supposed to be saying or whatever, but it's really not that big of a deal. I think when you realise that no one is going to remember or care, it doesn't matter, Mm. then it feels okay. This is so true. The amount of times when before I got into presenting properly that I would fear the moment when you forget what you're going to say or you say something wrong or you mess up you garble your words and things like that and it's only when you're actually on stage and you do it and you're like oh that really doesn't matter and it's quite liberating yeah is there are there any tools that you use or is there anything that you find that is most useful for you when you're on stage um preparing is obviously one of them (laughs) I was gonna say preparation (laughs) so yeah just being like super prepared um so if I'm doing a presentation I will normally practice that quite a few times beforehand and then it just gets into my subconscious and I know what I'm saying and I don't have to think about what I'm saying it just comes out Mm. um so I I will sit there in front of a mirror and present to myself (laughs) yep (laughs) that's the way it goes (laughs) but yeah that's I think um I don't have any particular kind of tools Mm. on stage I think sometimes like if I'm feeling a bit nervous beforehand I will just think of that first line that needs to come out of my mouth and know that if I can get that out then everything else will be okay yeah it's quite a remarkable experience being on stage really isn't it because like I don't know if you find this but I find that you're very much in the moment and you the only thing that you can do is carry on talking whether you've forgotten something or you have to ad lib a little bit that there's literally no no choice it's quite um I don't know it's a really interesting feeling yeah 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 how does it feel for you? Have you had any like electric moments or fun moments or anything? It's, you know, because we've been in, uh, <laughs> I haven't been on a stage for such a long time. Um, it's kind of hard to remember. Um, but I think doing the um, Ada Lovelace Live, which mm. you, you did as well a couple of years ago, that was quite a big deal for me. Um, and I put like, a crazy amount of effort it's a it's a 10 minute talk but I went all out <laughs> um, so that because I put so much preparation and effort into it the actual talk itself just kind of flew by and it was a bit like being in a dream and I don't really I don't really remember doing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but yeah that was uh, a bit of an out of body experience or however you want to describe it Oh, yeah. I had that for uh, New Scientist Live and I did that for, the, for that one. That was very similar. It's like you're very aware of yourself that you're there and you're, this, you're talking in front of these people. And it's like, oh, but then also the voice in the head isn't isn't is kind of quiet. It's not being like, you said that wrong <laughs> or <laughs> you just get on with it. Um, so what has been like the most interesting talk that you've done, would you say? Not that you've done, is in the most interesting experience um, that you've had. Um, I mean, I've got the Ada Lovelace live thing in my head now. <laughs> so it's hard to think about others. Um, probably do- doing like the bits of science stand-up comedy mm. um, is di- just interesting because it's so different. Mm-hmm. Um 
And yeah, doing it with um, Science Show Off is a really nice experience because it's a nice audience and they they will laugh at your jokes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that was quite, yeah, but just so different to doing a presentation at work or mm. whatever you might be used to doing. And, and talking about presentations at work, have you ever been in the room where you're having to do a presentation in front of a bunch of experts when you know less than them? Um, can't think of any examples off the top of my head. Mm. But how would you deal with that if you had to do that? Because <clears throat> I know that I shout out to Rena if you're listening, by the way. But one of the questions that I've had is, well, she's doing a, a presentation basically at work at some point, and they have to have like a debate afterwards. Um, I think it's one of those internal presentations where you learn from each other and things, but a bit bigger than that and having spoken to quite a few engineers there is this fear that you just don't technically know enough or somebody's going to ask you a question that you don't know the answer to um so what what yeah do you have any thoughts on that um I think I would think of why am I doing this presentation so you you're probably doing it because you're bringing something different that someone else isn't so Mm. you might be doing that specific piece of work so you will know more about that than the experts because they're not doing it and you might not be an expert in the field itself Mm -hmm. and so I would probably focus on the things that I know Mm -hmm. Um, and if someone asks a question and I don't know the answer I would just say I don't know (laughs) that's fine (laughs) Um, and I like something that I have noticed other people doing is um, if they don't know the answer they might answer a different question that they do know the answer to. So I think that's another trick that people use. Um, And I think it's probably happened to me before. I don't realize that my question hasn't been answered immediately because you get caught up in whatever they're saying. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it just kind of depends. I think there are multiple ways of dealing with it. Yeah. Just, I I like what you said uh, to begin with about, focusing on yeah what you can bring because you're unique whoever's doing the presentation you have a different angle a different perspective and whatever that is that is going to add value to at least one person in the room so focusing on that one person as well can be really helpful yeah like if I was doing a presentation now so if I'm doing something on hydrogen Mm -hmm. I don't know as much as the actual companies who are doing the projects obviously Mm. but I can talk about the government side of it because I know that, but I wouldn't be able to answer deeply technical questions, but that's okay because that's not my job. So really it's being okay with not knowing as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and accepting that just because you're the one on stage or you're the one giving the presentation, it doesn't mean that you do have to know everything and nobody expects you to either really. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's hardest with uh, kids when you do like a presentation <gasps> to a bunch of school kids and they they just think that you know everything. <laughs> and most of the time I'm just like, I have no idea. <laughs> that's a really interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a good answer, actually, isn't it? When you say, I don't know, but that, yeah, that's a brilliant question. Well done. And then they're like, oh, well, but they're happy enough that they feel like they answered or asked a good question yeah yeah and like sometimes I'll go away and look up the answer because I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and that that's like I I do that a lot at work where if I don't know the answer I'll say I don't know but I'll find out and get to you, get back to you and I yeah. will go away and find out and get back to that person yeah and that's all you can do ever really um mm-hmm. I remember I remember a moment at New Scientist Live when I wasn't meant to give any questions afterwards and then they decided to randomly do questions and I was like shit and it was such a random audience it was like school kids but they're also like 60 year old engineers who are really experienced and there was this one guy 
who asked me a question about batteries and I didn't know the answer like at all. So I did what you said <laughs> and I answered a different part of the question or he asked a two part question. So I focused on the part that I completely knew about. And then um, he tried to ask me again. He was like, you didn't answer all my question. And I was like, oh, but I think there's like some, some school kids over there who have a question. <laughs> I was like, divert, divert, divert. <laughs> and I think I managed to get away with it kind of I don't know and then I, I said just come and talk to me afterwards and we can have a chat about it so there's so many ways of handling it and it's amazing what you can do in the moment as well when you're you've got the adrenaline kind of pumping through your body I mean we could sit here and chat forever <laughs> but it's probably not the best thing we've got dinner and everything to say <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> food is important too um it is I, I do want to finish on one question that I tend to ask at the end of this, which is what um, do you think, what, what does a fulfilling career mean to you? Um, yeah, so it's, I guess it comes down to values and something that aligns with my values and that mm. could change over time. Um, I've got like, um, I have a life philosophy that I came up with a few years ago. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Is, it's very short and simple. Um, and it's to uh, enjoy life and help others. So that could be, you know, quite uh, varied. Um, mm. But yeah, so I think for me, I just want a, I want to enjoy my job because I'm spending a third of my day there. And mm. so it's, it has to be something that I find interesting and that I enjoy. And then I want to do something that's helping others. So for me, that's about um, climate change at the moment, but also supporting my colleagues and um, doing the talking for the talking, doing talks <laughs> for schools. <laughs> um, and then like the presenting side of things is also something that I enjoy, but I also think it's important to um, communicate the value and importance of engineering. Mm. I love that. That's like a tweetable, isn't it? Enjoy life <laughs> and help others. You can have it. Maybe I'll start a cult. I'll put it a cult. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I can put that as one of your quotes from, from coming out of this podcast. <laughs> Sweet. It's so, it's so true though. I mean, life is short. Why would you spend eight hours, five days a week being miserable or unhappy or not interested in what you're doing? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, just but I mean, sense. some people, some people love money, which is fair mm -hmm. enough. And then, you know, they'll do jobs as, I don't know, traders or whatever jobs there are where you make loads of money. Yeah. Um, some people love to be, under pressure um mm. so it's my what's kind of like valuable to me is definitely not the same for everybody else no of course and I mean if they're yeah if if, if money is the goal then that's fine and that's good and that will make your job enjoyable in itself because you know that each hour you'll be counting how much you're earning <laughs> right <laughs> yeah you might hate the activity but you enjoy the oh where can I spend my money on this time um I did find though that I got locked into a lifestyle with my job a little bit before so leaving my job and starting my own business meant that I could kind of distance myself from it and really look at what I was spending my money on and help me again to align as you said with values more and going into as I am growing my business and as some exciting projects are coming up um as as more money comes back to me um it's amazing the shift in mindset that I have towards it which I just love as well and the focus more on helping others as well um rather than maybe thinking oh I'm going to buy this very nice pair of shoes or oh, it wasn't ever shoes it was always food <laughs> to be honest <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> make yeah. salmon that's it <laughs> <laughs> you're just spending thousands on smoked salmon <laughs> yeah that is possible isn't it yeah I think it is actually I think if yeah. you have a vice that that's a th what what's your one thing that you would like spend a crazy amount of money on I don't know I'm not I don't really have any 
I can't think of anything. Helping others. <laughs> I don't think I spend money on that. I could just do that myself. And that, that makes me sound like a bit too good. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that good. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I guess, travel, although that's a bit obsolete at the moment as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's kind of, that's also why I've saved loads of money because I was meant to travel around the world and that's yeah. what happened because of COVID. Yeah. So got the cash. Yay. Um, <laughs> bit of a ramble ending. Um, but <laughs> I, I always love chatting to you and um, I can't wait till we can chat actually in real life as well. Yay. That'd be amazing. Have a glass of wine and all that. Um, but thank you for I don't think we've ever eaten smoked salmon together. We will have to do this. <laughs> do you even Sounds like good. it? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'm up for some smoked salmon. Why not? <laughs> uh, well, I'll look forward to that. And thank you for, for joining and giving all of your wisdom and being helpful as you like to be. Um, yeah, with your advice and everything. Is there, if anybody wants to kind of get in touch with you, where, where's the best place for that? Um, I'm on the, on the social media. <laughs> <laughs> Telling our um, age now. <laughs> yes. Um, so Twitter and Instagram and mm-hmm. LinkedIn. Um, I have a website, which is engineeryasmin.com. Um, so that's a good way to get in touch. There's a, a contact section on there, um, or LinkedIn, uh, is good too. Um, I would just say if anyone does add me, please tell me why, because I (laughs) get lots of random people um, connecting and I don't know who they are. It's quite nice to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird, isn't it? It can get quite creepy. Yeah. And it depends on my my mood, whether I accept or not. Sometimes I'm feeling friendly Mm. um, and sometimes I'm not. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But yeah, it's good. It's nice when people send a message just to say this is why I'm connecting. You. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, I will also put details in the show notes as well and on my webpage as well, links to your website and your social media as well. But yes, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. And I will speak <laughs> to you soon. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining. I hope that you got so much value out of that. I know that I did. Um, Before you jump off, I just want to let you know that um, you can check out, obviously, all the other episodes. And I really recommend that you head over to episode 10, which is how to stay motivated when you don't like your job. Because if you're in a situation where you're not enjoying your job right now, then you kind of might be thinking, oh, I feel a bit guilty because I'm not as productive as I should be. And if you want to stay motivated whilst you're job searching, then definitely listen to that one. Also, if you're new here, then just to let you know, um, over on my website, you can go and get my free career um, boost, which is basically a weekly email. You can sign up for that and I, I send you some tips and inspiration each week. And I also have a downloadable career clarity starter guide, and that is completely free. Just head on over to my website, which is www.hayleyloren.com forward slash coaching. So that is it from me this week. Have an amazing rest of your day. And please remember, you are amazing. You are an absolute badass. Celebrate it. See ya.